Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the word of the Lord to Abram, as we pick up in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now, after these things, that is, after the battle against these kings, after the meeting of Melchizedek, after the refusal of taking the reward and so forth from the king of Sodom, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. The word of the Lord, this is the first time this phrase is used in the Bible. It it will now be used many, many times over, but always the first usage is always interesting of a phrase. And this is the first usage of the phrase, the word of the Lord. Later in the New Testament, we find the word of the Lord being identified as Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was light, and the light was the life of men. And the light shineth into darkness. The darkness comprehended it not, and so forth. And then the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. It could be that Jesus was referring to this when he said, Abram rejoiced to see my day and saw it. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. This is the first time that the term shield is used or reward is used and it is the first time God revealed himself as the I am. I am thy shield and exceeding great reward. Jesus picked up this term many times in the New Testament. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. Come down from heaven. I am the good shepherd, and and so many times Jesus in John's gospel used the I am, the egoimi, before Abraham was I am, that name by which God actually revealed himself to the nation Israel as the God who becomes whatever your need might be. I am thy shield. Abram, of course, said, probably been thinking about the battle now that he's gone back home. Begins to relive the experiences and the excitement. It's amazing how your mind can flash back on vivid and powerful experiences and you almost relive them again. Many of the fellows who, who fought in some of the wars, you get home. And in the middle of the night, you begin to relive it. You think you're back out there. You begin to hear the sounds, the shelling. You begin to feel the tensions. You begin to scream, and and you, you begin to relive the whole experience. It makes such a deep impression on your mind, and you're seeking constantly while in it to repress it. Then it has a way of working itself out later on. Abram was perhaps in one of these experiences where he was really again going through the feelings the sound of the clanging shields and swords the arrows coming the shield going up and deflecting it and the sword flashing and the shield going up and protecting and and he perhaps was thinking oh oh, what if those kings regroup what if they come down and they catch me by surprise what if they invade the land and they destroy me and they take away all of my riches 
He saw that riches were such an uncertain thing. All of the wealthy cities of the Amorites and all were destroyed. The cities of the plain had all been sacked. The wealth of Lot had been taken away. But yet in a moment, these men who had become so rich by this invasion, their riches were taken away. And he saw the uncertainty of worldly treasures and the worldly riches. And he began to think, oh, what did they come and take away all my riches? What will I do then? What if I'm faced in an ambush and I don't have my shield? What if I'm caught by surprise? And fear began to grip his heart because the first thing the Lord said was, fear not. That always indicates that he was afraid. And the Lord said, I am thy shield. You don't have to worry whether or not you have your shield, Abram. I am thy shield. I am your defense. I will protect you. And you don't have to worry about your great supplies, someone sacking them and taking them off. I am thy exceeding great reward. I'm your resource. If you have me, you've got the resources with you. You don't have to worry about the provision. You have me. I am your exceeding great reward. And so Abram made a very wise decision in turning down the puny treasures that were offered to him by the king of Sodom for the greater wealth of God who became his exceeding great reward. Oh, we'd only realize if we have the Lord, we have defense. We have the protection that we need, plus also we have the provisions that we need. God wants to be to you everything you need. He wants to be your protector. He wants to be your provider. I am thy shield, thy exceeding great reward. Abram said, Lord God. Now this is a, the first time this word is used. It's Adonai Jehovah is what he's saying, Lord God. Notice the God is in all capitals. That's indicating that this now is the translation of that Hebrew word Jehovah, which is a word filled with mystic glory and beauty. Adonai is the title of Lord. And so it is capital L, then small o-r-d, the Adonai, the first use of Adonai in the scriptures. The term which is a title that signifies relationship immediately, Abram is placing himself in the position of the servant when he calls him by Adonai. It's a term of relationship. It is Lord in relationship of master. And it can be applied to deity or to man. Abraham was the Lord over his servants. When it applies to man, the word is spelled with a small L. When it is applied to God, it is spelled with a large L in our text to help us to understand. Actually, Sarah later on called Abram Lord. It, it is a term of respect as it indicates relationship. And in the New Testament, it is, its equivalent, of course, is found in the Greek Kurios, uh, as refers to Jesus, the Lord Kurios, Jesus Christ. Now, because it is a term of relationship, Jesus one time said, 
Why callest thou me kurios, kurios? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you don't do the things I command you? That's inconsistent. That's wrong. You're using a title, but you're only using it as a name. It isn't a reality. I'm not truly your Lord. Many people are using the title, oh, Lord, good Lord, you know, and, and, all, and, and they use it only as a name, but not really indicating a, a relationship. It is a name that should indicate relationship. It's a beautiful, not name, but a title that indicates the relationship, and his title, as far as I'm concerned, is the Lord. Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ, but his title in my relationship, he is my Lord, and I want to submit my life totally and completely unto him. Now Abraham said, Adonai Jehovah, Lord God, what will you give me? Lord said, I'm your great reward. You've just turned down all of the loot, you know, that you had captured from these kings. And so I am your great reward. He says, what are you going to give me, seeing I have no child? And the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So his chief servant was Eliezer, and without any children, Eliezer actually at Abraham's death becomes the heir of all of Abraham's goods. So what are you going to give me? Anything I have is going to go to Eliezer. He's not even my own son. So you are my great reward. Great, but I don't need anything. And, and if you did give me anything, it's going to, you know, I don't have any child. I don't have anyone to pass it on to. It's interesting how that when you get up into the later years, you don't begin, you begin not to think so much for yourself, but for what you can pass on to your children. And so you're not so much laying up for the rainy days. You're just trying to set things up so that your children can have it a little easier than you had it, if possible. So what are you going to give me? Seeing I don't have any child, and Eliezer, this guy from Damascus, is the heir of all that is in my house. You've given me no child, no one born in my house who is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord, again, the term, the word of the Lord, came unto him, saying, This, that is Eliezer, shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad, and he said, Look now toward the heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Earlier he said, As the dust of the earth, now look at the stars. See if you can number them. So shall thy seed be. And that famous verse quoted by Paul, James, and he believed in the Lord, and he, that is the Lord, counted it to him for righteousness. God made a, a, a wild promise to him. Abraham is 85 years old. God said, I'm going to make your seed like the stars of heaven. You can't count them. And Abraham believed the promise of God. As far-fetched as it might have appeared at this point, and God accounted his faith for righteousness. And that is why Abraham is called the father of those that believe, because our righteousness is imputed to us by our believing the promise of God in Jesus Christ. 
that Jesus died for our sins and took our iniquities in his own life and his own body, died in our place, and as we believe the promise of God, God accounts our believing in Jesus for righteousness. He doesn't account my works for righteousness. He doesn't account my prayers for righteousness. He doesn't account my study of the word for righteousness. He doesn't account my diligence or sincerity for righteousness. He accounts my believing for righteousness. That's great, because many times my works are horrible. They're negative. Many times I'm a total failure in my devotion. He doesn't count that against me. He counts my believing for righteousness. So Paul the Apostle speaks of his own experience of righteousness by the law, which was perfect, and the righteousness, which is according to the law, blameless. And yet that which was gained to me, I counted loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and count them but refuse that I may know him. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness which is of Christ through faith. Believing. And God accounting my believing for righteousness. Here's where it all began with Abraham. Abraham believed God. God said, hey, I'm going to make your seed like the stars. You can't number them. All right, far out. He believed God. And God said, all right, you're a righteous man. He accounted that faith for righteousness. Now, it's a good thing. Because Abraham's works weren't always the finest either. He did some pretty shoddy things after this. But yet it was the basic believing in the promise. And I will point out to you in a little bit that that believing wasn't always as strong and powerful as it should be because a lot of times Satan would come and say, hey, yeah, but look, you've, you've really failed in your faith a lot of times, brother. You know, your faith has been weak. You've tried other things, and, and it begins to show you, know, show you that your faith isn't really so perfect. So if he counts faith for righteousness, maybe you're going to be kicked out too because your faith hasn't always been steady and strong. Well, neither was Abraham's. And yet God took and accounted his faith for righteousness. We'll get to some of the uh, failures of faith in just a little bit. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, again, Adonai Jehovah, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? What kind of a sign? And he said unto him, Take a heifer three years old and a she-goat three years old and a ram three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took them all and he divided them in the midst. He cut them in two, and he laid each piece, one against another, side by sides. But the birds he didn't divide, and others he left them whole. And the fowls came down upon the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. The vultures began to come down and descend, and Abram was driving them off. And when the sun was going down, Abram was tired driving off the vultures from these pieces of the carcasses that he had set out there. And a deep sleep fell on Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And the Lord said to Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. 
Now they shall afflict them 400 years does not necessarily imply that they would be 400 years in Egypt. It is, God is telling them they're going to go down into a strange land. They're going to go down the land of Egypt, but they will be afflicted 400 years. Now, whether or not the, in Galatians, the third chapter tells us that the 400 years, which is a round figure, 430 years from the time that God made this promise to Abraham, it was 430 years from this time, unto the uh, Mount Sinai, to their coming out of Egypt, which meant that the sojourn, which was for four generations in Egypt, was not a 400-year sojourn in Egypt, but about a 215-year sojourn in Egypt, but they were to be afflicted by the people round about them until God would bring them out and bring them into their own land and they would have their own place to dwell. And so uh, rather than a 430-year sojourn in Egypt, total time in Egypt, it was from the time that the covenant was made with Abraham here at this time, so it makes the Egypt sojourn only about 215 years, four generations. And also that nation whom they shall serve, that is Egypt, will I judge. And afterward they will come out with great substance. Now here's interesting prophecy because they did go down to Egypt. God did judge Egypt. When they came out of Egypt, they, they really looted the Egyptians. They came out with great substance. They borrowed all the jewelry and all from, from their masters in Egypt and then they took off, which was really sort of back payment for their slavery. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, that is, having gone down into Egypt, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. In other words, uh, the area where they were living, it was, it was not yet full. The iniquity, it wasn't to be fully judged yet. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, to the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kezites, the, Kad the Kadmonites, and the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Riphims, the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Gergeshites and the Jebusites. Now, they never did conquer this much land. God promised to Abram and to his seed the land all the way to the Nile River, to the Euphrates River, and uh, to the Mediterranean. So a much broader area than what they have ever captured. Now, this was a very interesting and strange experience. Uh, these carcasses driving off the birds uh, the, the prophecy of the Lord, of, of the, the horror of the great darkness, which was the time that, they would, that his descendants would be the slaves in Egypt. And uh, then the, the smoking furnace, the burning lamp that passed between those pieces and the covenant of the Lord with Abram. It's a very interesting chapter that uh, is deserving much study. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bear him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee to go in unto my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. It was a mistake. Uh, 
Not always is it a mistake to hearken unto your voice your wife, but this is the second time it speaks of a man hearkening to the voice of his wife, and both of them at this point were mistakes. <laughs> now there will be other times when God will say, listen to Sarah, and uh, hearken unto the voice of Sarah thy wife. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, made the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So Abram was 85 years old. And he gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, uh, she began to despise uh, Sarai. The barrenness, you know, you can always say, well, maybe the husband is, uh, is unable to have children. Maybe there's something defective with him. But when... Hagar conceived so readily, obviously now it is Sarah who is barren, the curse of barrenness in that culture. And so Hagar uh, despised Sarai. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid unto thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. And the Lord's judge between me and thee. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 15 through 16 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you in his love and grace. May the Lord watch over you and may you be filled with his spirit and walk in the strength and in the power of the spirit of God as he anoints you day by day. May you be enabled by him and may you enter into that fullness that he has for you, walking with the Lord, loving the Lord, listening to the Lord. May your mind and heart be clear, sensitive to God and to the things of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. 
Undoubtedly, one of the most glaring signs that our society is in trouble is the breakdown of the family unit. Marriages just aren't making it today, and kids are suffering as they watch the breakup of their homes. Those marriages still holding together are often plagued by conflict and turmoil, making the home a battleground instead of a refuge. That's why the Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's Marriage and Family MP3, where Pastor Chuck discusses basic biblical principles to keep a family's love alive. Each member of the family has a different set of needs and responsibilities. And when you know and apply God's principles, everyone in the family can experience real peace, real joy, and an agape love. To order your copy of the Marriage and Family MP3 by Chuck Smith, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.